All right, playmakers, big news. The 2023 version of my What's Working in the Indoor Play Industry Guide is here. To learn about exactly what is working best right now for real-life currently operating indoor playground owners, head to the show notes to download my fully updated free guide. That's right. Even if you've downloaded one of my What's Working guides in the past, you will not want to miss this new version made specifically with what's trending and fresh for 2023 in mind. Head to the show notes for the direct link or go to michellecarawana.com slash what's working to get the guide in your inbox right now. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers, it's Michelle Caruana here, and in this episode, I wanted to talk about something that's seemingly on every small business owner's mind these days, and that's hiring and managing an effective team that's also affordable to you. It seems like it's more difficult than ever right now to compete against some of the larger corporations when it comes to pay and benefits, but as we have covered plenty on this podcast, there are many other ways that we as small local businesses can still stand out and attract amazing talent and use our size as our superpower and really lean into the small and small business as our strength when attracting a team. I will link some episodes that I've done in the past about attracting, hiring, and retaining a high-quality team But today, I wanted to share some tips around how I maintained my sanity as a brick-and-mortar business owner while managing employees. As I've mentioned in the past, something that surprised me the most about this particular business model, the indoor playground business model, is just how much time, money, and mental and physical energy I would spend every single week just in the the behind-the-scenes on the team management aspect of this whole gig. It feels like there was always someone who would be going back to college, someone requesting a few weeks off for college visits, someone whose kiddo was sick or was sick themselves, or, you know, an employee making a suggestion or a complaint that I, of course, wanted to take into consideration, but it was all just so much. And I want to level with you here. I am not sitting in front of my mic today, pretending that I am some sort of expert on being a manager or a leader. I've already used this podcast, in fact, to highlight some of the absolutely amazing experts in the HR and leadership field, which, as I mentioned, I will link in the show notes. I'm sitting in front of this mic today, just talking to you like a friend, and I just want to be real in this episode because sometimes all of those rose-colored tips and strategies that you read in books or hear in seminars and masterclasses work wonderfully, and that's great. But sometimes, especially as brick-and-mortar business owners, because so many of those experts speak primarily to online business owners in 2023, we can get shocked back to reality and remember that sometimes 
the real world, especially the brick and mortar world, isn't quite so black and white. It's tricky, it's messy, and sometimes we need to roll up our sleeves and get scrappy and figure out what's going to work best for our present situation, whatever that may be. I know for me, when I was operating my indoor playground business, I had a lot going on. I had an almost one-year-old when we first opened, followed by a very difficult pregnancy and birth shortly after with my second child. I was also living in a new area without a big support system or any family or friends nearby that I might be able to lean on for support, whether it was just emotional support or childcare or help at the cafe or anything like that. I was going through it, especially those first couple years. And while I did my absolute best to never let my stress or lack of sleep or the difficulty of the season of life that I was in spill over to my business and my team, I'm not perfect. It inevitably did. And I think that's true for many of us who have a physical location and are also parents, friends, daughters, sons, spouses, in addition to business owners. While many entrepreneurs will want to act like they are this perfectly polished, brave captain of their ship who does everything right all the time and is this perfect pinnacle of poise and leadership, I just wanted to let you know that you're human too, even if you are a business owner and you're allowed to be. It's okay. You do not have to have it together all of the time to have a successful business and to be an effective leader. A physical location in itself brings so many more nuances into any business. It's really something that you can't even fathom when you first decide to embark on this journey. And while I talk a lot about those challenges and nuances in the article that I'm going to link in the show notes, it's one of my favorite things I have ever written. And it discusses things like constant repairs and maintenance and weather woes. One of those hard parts of owning a brick and mortar is that employees are going to have to physically show up in your space and rely on you or the manager that you train, regardless of what state you or your life or your mental health or physical health is in. So in this episode and actually in the next episode, because this is going to be a two-parter, I wanted to share just a list of real life, roll up your sleeve in the thick of it tips that maybe won't be in line with any of the HR expert tips you've ever heard, including the ones that I featured on this podcast. But these are tips that truly helped me stay sane and help my business stay profitable, even when it just felt so damn hard. And even when I felt like I was the least capable one to lead anyone. So don't go telling on me to any of the experts out there, but these two episodes are going to be all the tips that I wish someone had given to me when I was, like you, in the thick of it. Now, as always, not all of these tips will work for you or your specific business model, so take what you want from the series and also feel free to leave what you don't. This is not one of those episodes where I necessarily suggest following every single thing I say to the letter. And I think this list I have so far in front of me is 12 tips. 
So as I mentioned, I'm going to break this into two episodes or we'd be here all day, but who knows, maybe between this recording and the next, I might think of a few more, but for now it's 12. So for now today, let's get into the first six tips that I wish I had been given before I opened my business. Number one, I hired more employees than I needed. Now, to be honest, this one shocks most of my consulting clients and my course clients when I recommend this. Many people who go into this industry, maybe you're one of them, automatically have the mindset that less staff equals less payroll equals less expenses, which all in turn equals more take-home income for you. What could be wrong, right? But it's just not that simple. And in this scenario, having less can sometimes really cost you. So let me explain. I provide a bunch of real-life sample staff schedules for both busy and slow weeks, as well as tips for creating your own staff schedules inside of Play Cafe Academy. And this is also a super common topic in Playmaker Society, which is my membership for current owners. But let's just say for example sake, that I had about 100 payroll hours that I needed to fill for a given week, right? I'm sitting down to write the schedule. I look at the parties we have booked, the events we have, our open play hours. And I say, I have about 100 payroll hours that I need covered. Many owners who want to keep their operations streamlined and simple automatically think, perfect. I can get three to five employees to work 20 to 30-ish hours and Maybe I can fill in some of the shifts myself and I'll be golden. But here's where that can really get you into trouble. And I know because it's gotten me into trouble in the past. When I relied on a small handful of people to make up a large percentage each of our total working hours each week, it was really opening my business up to substantial risk. If even one of those employees needed to take a vacation or even worse, called in sick or God forbid, up and quit one day, it would be extremely hard to fill those hours with little to no notice. The other employees I have are already probably maxed out on their availability and most states have labor laws that won't let part-time employees cross a certain threshold of hours, even if they're willing to, or even it's just temporarily without being considered full-time and therefore eligible for overtime and benefits, which to me is anything but keeping it streamlined and simple. Plus, many of your team members might be under 18, further restricting their ability to increase their hours or workload, even if they're willing. And if more than one employee has an issue like illness or car trouble or something like that, It would be disastrous, especially if you yourself already committed to a number of shifts or hours and just can't extend your childcare any longer or get someone to cover the other responsibilities you have in your life. It's kind of like when I went to grad school for economics and we learned about diversification in investing. Diversification is the process of spreading your investments across many different assets, to reduce the overall risk of any investment portfolio. And the same exact principle applies here. It basically means, you know, don't put too many of your eggs in one basket or a couple baskets, or you could find yourself in real trouble if any issues arise. 
And trust me, they arise more often than you'd like to believe. Again, been there, done that. So what I prefer to do is invest my time and energy in training at least seven to 10 employees to cover that same hypothetical 100-hour week. The only one working more than 15 hours being my manager who had a more consistent schedule. That way, if something did pop up or if someone needed a shift covered, I'd have plenty of people to call. And sure, it might be a pain and I might roll my eyes, but it would not constitute a disaster. Too many people who give advice on this topic are not brick-and-mortar business owners, or they're not speaking to brick-and-mortar business owners. So don't make the mistake of taking advice from them. They likely run online businesses and are speaking to other online business owners. Where missing a deadline due to short staffing or sickness or tech issues might be an inconvenience to you or a client, and maybe at worst case, it results in a little resentment or a bad review but it is not as catastrophic as having to to cancel a three-year-old's birthday party that's been planned for months, including invites sent and vendors paid, or canceling an event and having to refund and disappoint dozens or even hundreds of customers. So take it from me, hire more employees than you think you need and make sure they're okay with the amount of hours that they can expect to work. And make sure their availability is not maxed out on a regular basis, especially if you yourself may not be available to step in and help due to your location, childcare issues, etc. Again, I go into much more detail about the strategy and hiring and calculating payroll hours and managing and training a team in my course. But in this case, more is better than less and reduces your risk and saves your mental health and energy and really prevents employee burnout all at once. All right, that brings us to tip number two, cross-training all employees in all areas. And this is another one that some experts may not agree with, but I really loved cross-training all of my team members in all aspects of our business. A lot of this had to do with the reasons I've already mentioned throughout this episode, so that any employee can easily step into any role that was needed of them at any time, but there's more to this tip as well. I've heard many people say that too much cross-training or quote-unquote irrelevant training can lead to employee dissatisfaction, confusion, and burnout. But in my experience in this particular model, because this model is very unique, it was actually quite the opposite. So for example, there were some roles that were necessary for our operations that my staff just did not love. So for example, we used to do kids night out once a month where parents could drop their kiddos off at our facility on Friday nights and enjoy a few hours to go on a date, run errands, whatever. Now we stopped doing this a few years in, which I detailed in a really popular YouTube video that I'm going to link in the show notes, but it was one of our team's least favorite things to do for many reasons. Again, I talk about it in that video. Always asking the same one or two team members to work that event would have just been unfair and would have caused way more dissatisfaction than if they only needed to work that particular event every few months and shared those duties equally with their fellow team members. Another example, and I hate to say this, was special events. 
Working special events was kind of similar to working a birthday party because it required decorating and activity setup and things like that, but there was no big tip at the end. So naturally, employees much preferred working private birthday parties instead of special events. Now, I try to be as fair as possible in spreading these shifts across the board as well, which my team really appreciated. And same with the other function of our business, from cleaning the bathrooms to mobile events to making lattes to assembling balloon garlands. And sure, some duties like sending emails to customers were kept to our manager only for obvious reasons, but the basic tasks that our business needed to do daily in order to function any of our team members could do, and we tried to rotate them as much as possible to, again, be fair, but also to keep everybody's training and memories fresh. Some were definitely better or more creative at some tasks than others, and some employees had really clear preferences, which we tried to cater to and foster as best as possible, but we really focused on fairness and the equal distribution of tasks And this made the day-to-day so much easier for me and so much more enjoyable and honestly less boring and monotonous for our team. And that's all feedback that we got time and time again during staff meetings and one-on-one reviews alike. All right, tip number three. I took the time to understand what each employee valued most. Now, I'm not going to get too much into this tip here because I just recently did an entire episode on this topic, which is linked in the show notes. It's episode 217. But both at the time of hiring and throughout a team member's time with me, I made sure to check in and be sure that their expectations were aligned with mine and with what I was able to provide to them. And as I mentioned in episode 217, my favorite question to ask when I was hiring was, if you were to turn this position down, if offered for whatever reason, what do you think that reason for you would be? And this question made it very easy to immediately spot any misalignments. So for example, if they absolutely needed a certain wage or a number of hours or a schedule that I just couldn't accommodate. They kind of came out right then after I asked that question and said, listen, if I can't make $20 an hour, I'm going to turn this job down. And that saved us both a lot of time and energy and frustration. And I continued asking this question in a similar way during reviews by saying, if you were to ever leave this job or search for another position, what do you think the reason would be? And that also very similarly helped identify any potential grudges or dissatisfaction or burnout before it came to them leaving or searching for another job or walking away. As small business owners, we have to remember that being small can really become our superpower. Those big box stores and chains cannot cater to each individual employee in the same way. And I know because I've worked for quite a few. So again, lean into this strength and make them feel heard and valued so they stay motivated and happy being a part of your small business. All right, tip number four, I allowed remote work hours when necessary and when possible. So one of the hardest positions to hire for will undoubtedly be your manager or team lead. Now, I gave a ton of tips back in episode 35, 
But trust me when I say, once you find someone who is just an all around great fit for your business and has a great work ethic, you will want to keep them around however possible. And for my manager, she wanted the ability to do a couple of her tasks from home. Now we aren't talking about like 50% of her hours or anything like that. She just wanted two to three hours per week where she could focus on some of her more important tasks that really required focus and time, such as communicating with party clients, paying bills, or scheduling posts or emails. By allowing even this slight level of flexibility, I was able to keep my manager performing at the top of her game and preventing mistakes during these very important tasks, and it also prevented burnout on her end. All right, tip number five. I hired virtual employees or virtual assistants when it made sense. So kind of piggybacking off of that last tip, once our business really started to grow and I wanted to take bigger and bigger step backs to focus on the big vision and focus less on the day-to-day operations, I hired fully remote contractors. Now I have an entire episode about this and just know you have to be really careful when distinguishing between employees and contractors, because it can get you in a lot of legal trouble. For example, you can't hire contractors and then dictate where they work, when they work, or what they use, like software, equipment, etc., to work. So hiring contractors to work in person at your business to make your operation, again, air quotes, simpler, is another big myth and a major trap many owners fall into and end up paying for down the road. But once managing some of our marketing and ads and graphic design just became too much for my manager and I to keep up with, I outsourced to a virtual assistant, a contractor that enabled us to be more consistent, which led to a big return on investment on that contractor in the form of more bookings, more sales, better search engine optimization, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're interested in learning more about hiring a VA and what tasks you may want to consider outsourcing and how you can do so legally, head to episode 178 when you're done with this one with Emily Reagan. All right, last tip for this episode before we move on to part two. Number six, I hired based on attitude and not experience. And this is another controversial one that I talked about way back in episode 35, But this really worked for me time and time again, especially when I was hiring for the role of a manager. I talk way more about this in episode 35, but while I did look for some retail or customer service experience, I actually preferred working with people who had not yet held a manager or team lead role, but instead were a great culture fit and had a passion for helping families and young kiddos, or were very creative. Like for example, I was looking for people who wanted experience working with children because they were studying to become a teacher or people who maybe wanted experience working with families because they wanted to go into social work or therapy or something similar. Since I personally, in my own background, had done a lot of managerial training, I felt comfortable with nurturing someone into a leadership role, even if they were a complete beginner. And I was willing, and this is really important, I was willing to spend the extra time and energy to make sure they felt supported in this new role because I knew it would pay off. 
I also set aside a small budget to send my manager to additional training elsewhere, like seminars or certification programs, because those costs still were less than hiring someone more established in their career as a manager. I made the mistake early on of hiring people that held similar managerial roles in the past, and not only did I have to pay them way more every hour due to this experience, I also felt like they were much less coachable, much less willing to learn, and much more likely to leave a position for another one very quickly. I was constantly finding that these particular individuals were skipping over my very specific standard operating procedures and doing things their own way or going rogue on certain tasks because they quote unquote knew better or they had a better way in their last position. And I'm sure that there were amazing managers that I just did not have the pleasure of working with or crossing paths with. But again, in my anecdotal experience, I always had way better luck hiring someone based on attitude because a positive attitude and work ethic is so much harder to change or teach. Whereas again, I felt very comfortable teaching and fostering leadership and helping someone grow into that role. That was much easier for me. All right, that wraps up part one of this two-part episode series. If I missed anything, or if you're a current owner that has a tip that you would like me to feature, of course, I will give you credit. Please feel free to message me on Instagram. I would love to share your expertise and shout you out on this platform. And if you found any of these tips particularly helpful or eye-opening, I would love to know that too. So please feel free to DM me on Instagram. And as always, if you found this episode or any of my episodes or content helpful, the best way to keep the show going and to say thank you or just support me or the show is to leave a five-star rating and review wherever you are listening. I appreciate it so, so much. All right. I will see you right back here on Friday with part two of this episode series, all about tips that I wish someone had given me about hiring and managing a team before I started my business and made a ton of hiring and managerial mistakes. See you Friday.